The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm the host of this eight times a week show. That's right. Eight times a week you can get this delightfulness sent straight to your eardrums. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, including perhaps Stitcher. Their app just got a new redesign. It looks freaking awesome. You can get all our CBS Sports Podcast Network shows on the Stitcher app, so make sure to download that on your phone uh, and uh, subscribe to the Pick 6 Podcast. This is one of two Friday shows. This is the Thursday night recap uh, bash Matt LaFleur show, and um, we will also have a Picks Podcast up with myself and RJ White and Pete Prisco, just so you know. 12-4-1 and one of my best bets on the podcast right now. So you should be riding that train. It's getting hot. Um, but for now, we can deal with the cool tones of Ryan Wilson, John Breach, and Sean Wagner-McGuff. What's happening, guys? I thought you were going to forget to introduce us, Brenton. I'll be honest. Why would, how would I forget that, hot trains. By the way, if the train gets hot, that doesn't really work for hopping on. Open a window, turn on the A.C., what do you mean it doesn't work to hop on when it's hot? Who wants to ride on a hot train? I'm going to admit, I was not listening to Brince's monologue at the beginning, so I have no idea what you guys are talking about with hot trains. But I agree with Ryan. Hot trains, not good. And let me just throw in, since we just heard Sean, we have nine minutes to do this podcast <laughs> uh, per Sean's housing situation. So let's let's roll. Have we um, talked about Sean's housing situation <laughs> on the podcast? I'd be curious. Yeah. We talked about his dating life. Is that talks, everyone knows there's no secrets with anything in my personal life, unfortunately, on this podcast, because Brinson brings – we weren't going to talk about the situation, and then Brinson brought it up 10 minutes into the podcast when I was just talking like a mature, normal individual. What As I, I said – by the way, I said to Debo when this whole thing was happening, I was like, Ryan doesn't really talk that loud. Like he talks – in one tone, and and Debo agreed with me, so I thought I could get away with you know just being a Ryan on this podcast. Apparently I can't. Boring. Well, I was calling – yeah, well – I was going to go with mature and, you know, even keeled, but we can go with boring. Your words, not mine. Have you met with your neighbor yet? No, we're supposed to do it this weekend. Oh, my God. What a pain in the ass. For those who don't know, Sean um, lives in a – it's not a luxurious mansion because he has a neighbor. Uh, In Oakland, California, there's some – I guess he's elderly gentleman? No. No. I don't know why you think that. How old is he? Do you know how old he is? He's like a millennial. No, my guess is he's in his 30s or 40s. Are you – Kidding me? Wait, right. is this the same guy this who listens to the podcast and, and saw you at the gym? Different guy. <laughs> oh yeah, shout out to uh, I don't I don't I can't sorry. Shout out to the uh, Lions fan who goes to uh, Sean. Sean has a stalker. That's no, my favorite. A stalker. Part. What? He's a, so many stories. He's a podcast listener who recognized Sean at the gym. Oh, same thing. Next yeah, time, if you're something. listening to this, you should say hi to me. Yeah, if you see, yeah, if you see any of us out in public, make sure to say hi to us. Except Ryan, he doesn't like people. Um, Ryan is basically <laughs> Sean's neighbor, except older. 
So yeah. this guy's in his 30s and he's complaining that you're talking look, to him. I, I actually don't know how old he is because I've never met him. But, but Brinson, he has look, a job. he's been he's been completely reasonable thus far. Let's not bad talk him. We're gonna have a, I'm sure, a very nice meeting over the weekend. Get this entire thing sorted out. I uh, I tried the soft talk approach. On Monday, apparently people weren't a fan, so we're going to keep trying to straddle the line here, but you're going to get a little bit more uh, boisterous shot on this podcast for the people who were disappointed in Monday's showing. Seriously, (laughs) though, you should hang blankets? That's what I said. Oh, you did? It's it's the upstairs neighbor, so it's like, what? What You see upstairs neighbors complaining you're too loud? This so this kid, building, who is this guy? This building was built in like 1928, so the walls are pretty bad. Okay, okay, come you. on, come on. The upstairs neighbor's like, excuse me, you're being too loud um, when you talk at 9 p.m. See, right? Brinson, this is the could, problem. Could you that... imagine if this guy was Brinson's neighbor? Oh, look at – Breach just played his disco music. He confused himself with the Brinson's That's Breach's ringtone for my sweet little – what's your what, – Breach – anyway, all right, look, we're five yeah. – this is I just want. I just want to say, though, if my neighbor's listening to this podcast, I'm not the one bad-mouthing you. That's Brinson. I want to make this work. I'm being nice and friendly. Let's be cordial about this. Don't listen to Brinson. Brinson's this way towards everyone. That's good advice. All right, let's do this. Let's I got to be honest. I think there's a solution. If he's above, we're just going to get you like a little soundproofing little area that you can slide into. That would be easy. We'll figure like out a, my own little like medical tent? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Blue tent. Yeah, basically. We'll figure that out. That's, that's a whole different game changer. This is easy. Really? Okay, yeah. then let's, let's yeah. do it. Let's get me a little. By the way, there is no one more high-maintenance than Sean. I mean, can you imagine dating Sean and all the things you have to jump through as a person? Wait, I can't do this. How is this, my, how is this, this how is this my fault? Everything seems to happen to you. It's Ryan, so, Ryan's like wait. Ryan's like me when I get mad at my brother for doing something. I'm really just projecting on him that I'm mad because I do the same thing. And Ryan's like this. Ryan's like my internet son is angry about an eight, like eight over ten. Of, anyway, look, we're moving wait. on. We don't know. We're not. We're not talking about this anymore. We have to thrash Matt Lafleur, who did yes. your your doppelganger breach. He did an absolute crap job. That loss is on him. Explain yourself. 34-27, the Eagles win on Thursday night. And what – I mean, I, look, I know we're not supposed to read too much into an early season game. That was a must-win game for the Philadelphia Eagles. They would have been 1-3. and They have a tough schedule coming up. The Packers were 3-0. and They started out gangbusters. And Matt, LaFle- Matt LaFleur crapped his pants in the yeah. entire final three quarters of that game. Mm. It was, I mean, like, it is infuriating as someone who bet on a lot of things involving the over and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers touchdowns. I'm very mad and very much out of money now. Um, three, listen, look at this. The first, the first drive for the, for the Packers, they go 74 yards in five plays, touchdown. It should have happened sooner. Devontae Adams got tripped up. Whatever. It was a great play. Rodgers is locked in. The rest of the night, they got inside the Philadelphia 15-yard line five times and well, came away with one touchdown. It's worse than that. Two field goals, turnover oh, downs, on. and an interception. Oh, this isn't a fun fact. It's just what happened at the end, which is if you didn't watch the game, the Packers had two series inside the five-yard line where they needed yeah. the touchdown. It, so they had six plays inside the five. They didn't run the ball once. They threw the ball six times. That's, that's not – I think they ran it once, right? No. Oh, oh the, Aaron, the, the, five, Aaron, the Aaron Jones run was to get inside the five. Yes. Six plays from inside the five in the fourth quarter. Six passes. Uh, none of them worked very obviously. That's why we're here talking about this. Throw more fades. <laughs> 
that, that was. Hey, can I ask John a question? Fine. So, John, <laughs> your your twin was in Nashville last year. What is your recollection of how he did last year? Was he last year? Lafleur was in Tennessee. That's right, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my recollection is everybody... I have a two part two part question. So what's your oh, recollection of that? And who is worse at their play calling duties, Matt Lafleur or Arthur Smith? All right. Well, the second one's easy. It's Arthur Smith, but. Oh. This is literally like watching the Titans offense from last year, which is also weird because that's saying that maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't such a huge jump up from Marcus Mariota that he used to be. I mean, obviously is. He's way better. But, you know, maybe he used to be ten times better. Now he's only five times better than a guy Marcus like Marcus Mariota's agent should be making that pitch in the offseason. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is only Reese five times better than his pitch to be Marcus Mariota's agent right there. But the thing is, like, this was – so here's the thing. So if you're Matt LaFleur and you're in this post-game locker room, you know who can't complain to you about the play calling is Aaron Rodgers. Because it's like, hey, man, I put the game in your hands and you couldn't win it. That's what he's thinking. That's what's going through his head at the end of this game. I gave you six opportunities inside the five-yard line to put the ball in the end zone, and you didn't do it. No way. And so, no. Yes. No, yes. Because no. Aaron Rodgers is your playmaker. I'm not saying this is the right way. Those, this plays, is not those plays were disastrous. What was the what was the one where they ran to the left? It's like Jimmy Graham's just to do a fade. What, what was it? I'm, I'm not defending the plays at all. I'm telling you what's going through Matt Lafleur's head. That's how he's going to defend himself. He's going to say Aaron Rodgers was my playmaker. I put the ball in his hands. Oh, and that blew up in my face. Maybe I don't need to do that anymore. Yes, the Packers absolutely should have called runs inside the five. The goal line stand in the third quarter or fourth in the fourth quarter. That was the goal line stand because there was no rain. There was nothing to stand on. It was all. Hey, I'm going to call four straight pass plays from the one-yard line. They had four plays from the one-yard line, passed it every single time. You can't do that. Like, that's just not how you call plays. And this was after Matt LaFleur had called uh, multiple runs on first downs <laughs> yes. and second downs the entire right. game. And it's like, it is almost like by the time they got down to the one-yard line, he was out of run plays, and he's like, oh, crap, my, my playbook's empty. I guess I got to go to the passes. And then... <laughs> That's all he did the rest of the game, even though this was a one. I mean, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Brenton, I was just saying that is what LaFleur is thinking, how he would defend himself is, hey, I gave the ball to my playmaker, and he didn't make plays. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm a little fired up about this. I, I see what you're I, saying. <laughs> you're, I see what you're saying. Your, your, your point is not that Matt LaFleur did a good job, but that he's going to be like, hey, Aaron, you wanted the ball in the red zone. What do you want me to do for you? I mean, they right. didn't, like, why wouldn't, okay, if you get the ball in the Packers three-yard line, you line right, up. Please don't repeat what Breach just said. No, no, no. I'm saying, look, I'm saying this is easy. You get the Packer, you get the ball on the Eagles three yard line. You line up in a jumbo set with Jimmy Graham lined up to the right. You play action to the left with Aaron Jones. You roll Aaron Rodgers out to the right. And Jimmy Graham's going to be in single coverage when you do that. And you're either going to have an easy throw or Aaron Rodgers is going to saunter into the end zone. That play calling was effing De, de, it was a debacle. I mean, that was that play you just described. Are you going to credit Reddit for that, or are you just going to take ownership of it? Because there's no way you came up you know, with that idea. Kellen Moore did the same thing with Jason Witten. You just do a little leak out. It's really easy. All you do he is stole that too. Oh, you do, here, guys, you here, here, here's what you do. You have that many plays from the from the one. That's the one area where it's okay to line up and jumbo and just hand the ball off to your running back. I and think Breach is right. He was yard. out of running plays. He didn't know what to do. As you don't need plant. a. Why can't they quarterback sneak it? Can I You're ask at the one yard line? Let me ask you this question because I wrote this down, and, and as Brinson pointed out, as Lafleur was doo dooing in his pants. So I guess at some point this offense will work itself out. Who knows? It seems like it's going south. But remember when Aaron Rodgers hated Mike McCarthy so much 
and Aaron Rodgers was still the best quarterback in the league, and the offense wasn't that terrible. So Matt LaFleur is a downgrade from Mike McCarthy, who had four plays in the playbook and everyone hated him. Is that where we're at? Who's saying that? I, I was just wondering as I watched I just don't think – I just – I don't think LaFleur is the magic solution. And as a lot of people I feel like have been saying more and more each year – is that while Rodgers is still a good quarterback, and look, Rodgers played well tonight. This felt like a throwback Packers game with their defense not being able to stop anyone and Rodgers throwing bombs to Devontae Adams. But it's clear Rodgers is not what he was four years ago. So you think Aaron Rodgers is just as good as he was three or John four years ago? John wants to dunk oh, I, yeah. Well, I just, I'm not going to dunk on Sean here. I'm just going to go back to the ha. absurdity of calling four straight pass plays from the one yard line. Because by the time they got down there, they didn't have, of the Packers receivers this year, the two players who have caught the most passes going into this game were Devontae Adams and Jamal Williams, neither of whom were on the field at the one-yard line. So you're missing two of your top three targets, and you're still calling four straight plays. It's insane. I'm not going to defend the lack of run plays down in the red zone. They should have tried it at least once. Uh, they were getting, they were, they were, they were, they were getting bodied at the line of scrimmage by the Eagles on both sides of the ball all night long. Um, they got, they got mauled in the run game and we'll get to the Packers defense in a minute, but they also, I mean, they couldn't run the ball at all. And that's Not what, lack of trying. right. But that, that's what's so frustrating about this whole thing is that we knew. And I said, and I'm not, I mean, like, we knew this, cause I said it on, I said it on this podcast when we were previewing, and I was talking with Dubin about this. I said, do you think that Matt LaFleur can get outside of his tendencies? I said it on Sportsline, but, or said it on the, the pregame show. I said, if Matt LaFleur can get away from running on first down and second down, the Packers can roll in this game. And that's what they did on the first series. And Rodgers was whipping the ball around. The Eagles secondary is garbage. They can't tackle anybody. They don't have anybody. All the, yeah, all the, like, they were out Ronald Darby, Avante Maddox. I mean, my God, he. Sidney Jones got hurt early on. Yeah. Not that, Maddox, he was, not that he was good before right. he got hurt. They were either committing pass interference or they were, you know, uh, tackling just, somebody 20 yards down the field. Right. Or missing guys. It yeah. was embarrassing. The first half of the Eagles secondary was downright embarrassing. They had a play where they jumped off sides, gave Aaron Rodgers a free play. Devontae Adams runs a little comeback, catches it after 12 yards. And you look at the quarterback in coverage. He just runs after him like in a straight line. And Devontae Adams just loops right around him, goes downfield. And then the guy who ends up tacking Adam, tacking, tackling Adams downfield grabs him by the face mask. Can it I, was a debacle in the first half by the Eagles. Can someone answer my question about McCarthy being better than LaFleur? Because it feels like McCarthy was better than LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is supposed to be running a bunch of bunch formations and uh and motion stuff. They, they did, did they do that? Did I miss that? Have, have they done that once this year? I mean, am I, am I, am I missing that? Cause I don't feel like they're doing that. No, and it's, it's really interesting because it seems like in a way, uh, if you look at their numbers, they're actually scoring a lot of points on their first drives. So it seems like kind of, do you remember last year how the Bears would always score on the first drives under Nagy and then they couldn't score for the rest of the game? It feels like LaFleur is really good once he's scripting the opening to the game. But as soon as the defense makes adjustments and whatnot, he can't make adjustments back and he goes back to his old tendencies. That, that might, that's an interesting thing to look at. And it, actually Warren Sharp, I believe, tweeted out, um, that, uh, the they're pack, score by quarter. They're score by quarter. Yeah. I mean, if you took, if you, the Eagles were plus three and a half in the second half, the, look, the Packers should have won that game and they should have covered. I mean, I mean, right? I mean, I'll tell you at halftime, I, I, I picked the Packers to win, but at halftime, here is how I looked at it. 
the Packers literally scored every time they had the ball. They didn't punt once, and they were losing. So it was like they came out and gave the Eagles their best shot, and that still wasn't good enough. Because if, if somebody just tuned into the game at the two-minute warning in the first half and saw the stats, you would have thought the Packers were winning like 30 to nothing. I mean, it was insane the Eagles were, ever to stay, were able to stay in it. But they did, and it was just like, all right, well, Green Bay's done. I mean, that's how it felt at halftime. I, at, at halftime, I believe, if my memory serves me right, the Packers were averaging 8 yards per play, and the Eagles were averaging 4.2 yards per play. The problem in the first half was actually the same problem in the in the fourth quarter. It was just to a lesser degree. It was the red zone because twice there in that second quarter, the Packers had to settle for field goals. And he actually, if you go back and look at Tennessee's offense last year, and I know they had Blaine Gabbert and they had Marcus Mariota who couldn't feel his fingers. So I don't want to put too much blame on the floor for the Titans offensive struggles, but they were 23rd in red zone scoring percentage at 53%. And so I guess you could kind of say, is this a worrying trend where this is going to be the Packers offense where the whole game, they moved the ball between the twenties with ease. It wasn't even difficult. But then as soon as they got inside the 20 and inside the 10, they suddenly had no clue on how to punch the ball into the end zone. And that's what happened in Tennessee last year, too. By the way, to follow up on Sean's point about uh, maybe LaFleur can script things early on, Aaron Rodgers started 10 for 10. <laughs> and uh, with seven minutes left in the third quarter, after that 10 for 10 start, he was seven for 15. I would imagine some of that has to do with running the ball on first and second down all the stupid time and then leaving Aaron Rodgers in, in third and long situations. But uh this has to get fixed, and I would imagine at some point pretty soon, if this offense continues to sputter, Aaron Rodgers is going to say something out loud to somebody. I mean, and we should also note that Devontae Adams left the game with an injury, too. And that he was pretty was, late, though. No, I third don't know. It was, it was the third quarter, and he was on the sidelines the whole time, hold, stretching his through. It looked like a turf toe situation, but maybe worse because— The Brunson. <laughs> Look at, look at Brent's face. He's so like, <laughs> this actually that. makes him annoyed. <laughs> I mean, how many <laughs> times do you have to be right about an injury before you give it to me? Hey, hey <laughs> write down that up, time. Clear up. Write down that time. But Devontae Adams happened in the fourth quarter, and he went off right before they got first and goal situation. Thank you, That John. led to that goal line stand. So he was not on the field for any of the goal line plays in the fourth quarter, but it was on that drive. But, but, but it was early fourth quarter. But they kept zo- Fox and NFL Network kept zooming into his face, and it became very, it became abundantly clear that Devontae Adams was in such extreme pain that he was not able to go out on the field. Like he was out there with his helmet on, in uniform, trying to do whatever he could. And the trainers had clearly looked at him and said, "You can't go back out there. This won't work." I mean, I don't understand. I, like I get that Jimmy Graham is washed and old and was getting way too many targets in that game. But why aren't you just running a jump ball for him in the end zone? I mean, why aren't you quarterback sneaking from the one? Why aren't you just taking Aaron Jones and diving him over the one? How do you not have red zone plays built into your playbook against a good defense, which you know is a good defensive line? The Eagles have been great against the run all year long. They can't stop the pass. That doesn't mean when you get inside the, the five yard line that you just try to throw it. It's too condensed. It's driving me insane. It's so bad. I saw somebody tweet this, and I I really wish I could remember who it was. I didn't recognize the name, but it's a fantastic point. And they said, basically, there are two or three really, really top-level play callers in the NFL. There are two or three really, really doo-doo play callers, and everyone else is just average. So you're sort of – that's the balance. Well, that's what I say about the NFL teams. Like, it's the same thing. Okay. But anyway, the point is, (laughs) as you try to steal this person's thunder (laughs) – who we don't even know because Ryan doesn't know his name. Yeah. And Brent's just trying to take you, credit for you it. Just, this, is how, no, no, this is how Brent's operates. No, but the, the best part is like you're criticizing me for like not attributing <laughs> proper credit. 
I'm just, trying you're to. Like, you're like, I don't know who it is. But yeah, I'm but just here's gonna... the difference, for instance. Is you just would have said it as if it was your own, and exactly. Ryan at least admitted That's he was taking yeah, it from someone. Up front. So true. quiet down, doctor. Let me finish my diagnosis here. But the point is that Matt LaFleur is mediocre, it looks like, and he could be worse than that. And this has been more apparent to me than ever before because I'm now watching a super terrible Steelers offensive and defense coordinator call terrible plays with the not the players they've had um, in recent years, but with mediocre guys and slightly above average guys, and they cannot make it work because if Andy Reid were calling plays in Pittsburgh, that team would probably be 2-1, and one, maybe 1-2, one and two, whatever. They wouldn't be in their current situation, is my point. No. If Andy Reid were calling plays in – don't make that face, for instance – calling plays in Green Bay, they would have won Ooh. tonight. If Andy Reid was calling plays in Green Bay, they would have titles. Yeah, they have titles. If you gave Andy, if you gave Andy Reid, Aaron Rodgers, you kidding me? Okay, just to put Matt Lafleur in context, and we'll take a quick break after this because we need to, and we'll go for a long time after the break. It's fine because we haven't even talked about the Eagles or the fact that the Packers' incredible top three defense is actually trash. Uh, we'll get to that after the break. Matt Lafleur is responsible for the first ever interception by Aaron Rodgers inside the three yard line. Are you teasing that for after the break? No, I'm just telling you that's the fact. Why'd you make a little? Why'd you make a face like I farted? He didn't make Aaron. Aaron yeah. still slant. You could actually argue, actually argue, and we'll talk about this after the break because I know you're part of. But there was some pass interference on that on that play. Um, if you wanted to get ticky tack about it, oh, we'll but talk about that's, not, that's not Matt Lafleur's fault. Matt Lafleur's calling the plays. Yeah, the ball hit the guy in the hands. Who was it? Uh, Valdez scaling. I think they, it was, they didn't right? try to run. I mean, I'm just saying, man. They could have. There was plenty right. of ways to get out of that. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and Ryan will explain some something else is stupid. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so uh, as often happens with these podcasts, the team that won was not the story. <laughs> one, <laughs> and, one and two Super Bowl contender staves off potential season death. With incredible road win on Thursday night against Hall of Fame quarterback. And like we go 17 minutes and don't mention the fact that the Eagles won. Um, I, I, 
I don't know how much credit to give the Eagles, though. Like, I, I mean, they were good. The offensive game plan was pretty good. But I'm, Can I ask a question real quick? Because as I watch that game, sorry to interrupt you, but this is important. I actually, this thought crossed my mind, and Sean crapping on Aaron Rodgers earlier in the podcast sort of reminded me of this. I think I would rather have Carson Wentz than Aaron Rodgers right now. Well, that's a hot take. Yeah, well, here's a hot take. Is it for one year or for the rest of our life? <laughs> how, how long are you going to live, John? That, that's the question. Uh, probably like six more months at the rate I'm going. <laughs> I know. Yes, really, I'm life. burning the wick at both ends I here. Too. I know. <laughs> no, yeah, for the rest of the season, let's say, just uh, based on the way I thought he played pretty well. That, no, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but that that thought crossed my mind. Okay, right. that's Here's, that's worse than your disastrous bench Mitchell Trubisky after a Monday Night Football win take. Really? You're, All right. Yeah. You, wait, this you, is so, Brinson. You asked. You don't know how impressed to be with the Eagles. This is where I was impressed with them. Their offensive line because yes. they absolutely and look we knew coming into the season I think we when we did our clear, top offensive I, line ranking I they said were tied. that I said that like I mean I said that like twenty minutes ago right I did say that they mauled them on the offensive line yeah look you asked the question how okay. impressed should we be with them this is what I'm saying is that Doctor Brenton's angry there was, there was a point <laughs> after the Packers first red zone failure in the fourth quarter when the Eagles got the ball back at their one yard line it didn't happen but it actually felt like the Eagles were just going to run the ball in every single play and march right down the field and score a touchdown because the Packers had zero answer for their running game I mean Jordan Howard looked the best he's looked maybe in his entire career he had three touchdowns he's only had three touchdowns one other time in his career that came in 2016 which was his rookie year Miles Sanders looked electric I mean that's a team they averaged 5.3 yards per carry and so that for me is such an important thing because we I mean we don't talk about offensive lines that much because it's not sexy and all that but if you have one of the league's best offensive lines or maybe the best offensive line I mean that's why I think this team could go somewhere if they can get bodies in the secondary and maybe they trade for Jalen Ramsey and help shore that shore that up there but their offensive line is a real weapon and I think that's the biggest asset they have going for them I think the biggest asset is Doug Peterson but I agree with you sure yeah Doug, I, I Doug think Peterson, they, they out they out coach Mike Pettin tonight I mean that that pass they threw so. to um, Jordan Howard for that touchdown was Jordan Howard can't catch the ball I'm a Bears fan. I know this. And the fact that he caught a receiving touchdown because he was wide open. They ran mash. They ran mash and had a, they ran mash and had a a running back run a wheel round. And it doesn't matter if it's Jordan Howard, LeGarrette Blunt, Mike Allstott, that running back was going to waltz into the end zone because the Packers defense wasn't prepared for it. Yeah. I'm saying that I just said Doug Peterson outcoached him. I'm I'm agreeing with you. And I thought it was funny. That Ryan, you know, you were pumping up Carson Wentz would take him over Aaron Rodgers. I didn't think Wentz played that great. I, I'm going to agree with Sean here that the Eagles' offensive line, they kind of dominated the trenches, which got the run game going. And you look at what Carson Wentz did. He just was – I mean, yes, he threw three touchdown passes, but a lot of that was set up by completely random things that he had no control over. Miles Sanders had a huge kickoff return. That turned into a 30-yard touchdown drive. That's nothing on Carson Wentz. Uh, we had the strip of Aaron Rodgers that turned into a 17-yard touchdown touchdown drive. That's nothing for Carson Wentz. He didn't really do anything. And a big play I remember in the fourth quarter, uh, the Eagles could have iced the game. They had third and six from Green Bay's 49. He had a wide open Alshon Jeffrey, and he just ducked it. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible throw in a very important situation, and that's kind of what I saw. I didn't really see – I didn't feel like – they won this game because of Carson Wentz. I mean, he didn't make any mistakes like Rodgers did, like with the fumble and something like that, but they definitely didn't win this game because of Carson Wentz. And just to add on to that, one of the touchdowns, as Brinson just mentioned, any any 
quarterback is making that throw and any running back is waltzing into the end zone. The other touchdown to Dallas Goddard was a incredible fake to Sproles screen pass. And then I guess you can give him credit for the Alshon touchdown. But I agree. I think I mean, I don't think I don't know if Wentz played poorly, but it felt like he was like a game manager out there, which is not what we're really used to seeing out of Carson. But they didn't need him to be Carson because their running game was just unstoppable. I think the other thing, too, is like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, sorry, I was trying to do something. I was trying to rewind. And listen. I was trying to listen to what Matt Lafleur was saying on his on his on his uh, on his thing because he's like, he basically said, I mean, that's a blueprint for beating us. Those teams are gonna grind, run the ball, grind it out. I mean, this was one of the best defenses in football through the first three weeks. They didn't play anybody. I'm gonna be very curious to see what happens with Football Outsiders metrics because Football Outsiders doesn't incorporate uh, strength of opponent until the fourth week. As Ryan likes to tell us, uh, Green Bay is the third, was a third ranked defense coming into this game. They played the Bears, Vikings, and Broncos. And they just got lit up by a, by a, uh, Eagles team that I frankly, I didn't think was that good at running the ball. They have a very good offensive line. But if you can do this against the Packers, this defense is worthless. It's worthless. If you can line up with a decent, like the Cowboys would beat this team 75 nothing. Well, seventy-five, fourteen with garbage time. I, mean, I feel like Matt, uh, Matt, uh, Mike Pettin's actually a good coach, though. And I, I like feel Mike like, Pettin. Yeah. I think. I mean, this one game and they got thrashed. There's no denying that. But I, I, it's not like a lost cause. I think they'll they'll be okay defensively. There's some young guys there, so whatever. You, they'll get experience and all the other stuff. Um. So I'm not so much worried about that. I'm more worried about the Packers offense. I have well, no faith in Matt. We already talked about the Packers offense for seventeen minutes. We could talk about. You know that what? Too, right? We should talk about it one more time because we're twenty minutes in this podcast. And we haven't brought up the insane pass interference call. Thank you, John. Thank you. The, the and I know Brenton has been to dying to rant about it. You know what? You know what? Do you know what? The, I am dying to rant about it. But you know what? The it's a shame that somebody at CBS hasn't figured out that like the next time we do a live show, just put Breach with like a little video board and like let him do the what's trending stuff. It's like we're like people are over there talking about topics. No one gives a crap about it. Breach is like, by the way, I know we've been talking for thirty minutes. P.I. That's what's buzzing. Like, like Breach, that should be, you should be in like a tuxedo with a little Bob Barker mic doing the, um, doing a video board with what's trending. I'm, I'm I would love to have a Bob Barker mic. Why you're being nice to Breach. Be so. nice to everybody. Except all right, John. go ahead. He wants to He's talk about He's saving all of his anger for the officials. Right, I mean, ahead. Al Riveron is <laughs> Not sitting great, in an office that is, has very blindfold. Dark, yes, I'm sorry, yes. He's, it's got dark, it's got, uh, it's got blackout, like curtains. blackout <laughs> curtains. He's wearing a blindfold and there's a wheel. And on that wheel, there are two. And he has a, a sound bar, the sleeping right, 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 right. And he's not even watching the game. He's not watching, watching like, the game he's at watching all. Beverly no, Hills I, all night, all. <laughs> Oh, that's even better. All I, long, all I can think about was Al Riveron is sitting. He has his feet up. In the, I've been in that command center in New York. They have like 42 TVs. He's just candy crushing his ass off. Like he's like, <laughs> he's on like level like 7,000. He's like, I'm going to get that little fruit. And then all of a sudden they're like, Al, Al, we've got an urgent pass interference replay situation. He's like, oh, uh, and he like looks over and Roger Goodell like stares at him. He's like, uh, it's, uh, and he spins a wheel. He spins the wheel. That's right. That's and where then he's I'm like, uh, it's no good. Uh, it's a block kick. I got it, guys. Like, Don't worry about it. It spins like, the wheel. Is that like the magic eight ball? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You shake a magic eight ball. I mean, it's like, why? What was the point? What is the point of instituting replay on pass interference 
if you were going to allow Avante Maddox to jam his hand into Marquez Valdez Scantling's eye, like face guard and helmet while grabbing him and pulling him down, have someone challenge it as if it was passing interference because the referees are too too blind not to call it, and then not reverse it, and then tweet out from the NFL officiating account a thing that says. There was not enough evidence to overturn it. Are you kidding me? What more evidence do you need? He jammed his hand in his face. He shoved his hand up his face mask as the ball is coming in. Al, what are you doing up there with your eight ball and your candy crush and your blindfolds? It's insane. We, we, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. So, Branson, here's what he said on Twitter. Quote, <sighs> after review, there is no clear and obvious evidence that Philadelphia number 29 significantly hindered the opponent, end quote. And Terry McCauley who works as NBC, uh, the former official who works with for NBC, tweeted, I have absolutely no clue as to why defensive <laughs> pass interference was not created uh, by replay on that last play. And, you know, come on, dude. I mean, you're exactly right. You, I thought initially you were whinging about the um, uh, the Alshon Jeffrey potential pass interference call where his hand was hit a little earlier, but Alshon looked like he was well, hobbled that, number one with the calf, the calf injury. Uh, injury was that me. the one that Doug challenged? Doug Peterson? Doug. God, why is everybody called Doug? This is ridiculous. Doug, was that the one that Doug Peterson, the Eagles coach, challenged? His name is Doug. What are you talking Wait, about? What do you, yeah. For whatever reason, Princeton, Doug. angry that people are calling coach by his real name. No, everyone, but everyone calls it. All the Eagles fans are like, hey, have you seen what Doug did lately? Like, uh, like, did you see that challenge Doug made? And now I've started doing it too and it annoys me. Uh, okay. But yeah, I think they, they did challenge that and who knows, no one knew which direction it was going to go and technically it was pass interference, but there's no way I would have that. That was the second challenge, the one by Peterson. No, that right. there was, it, I Pete. mean, part of me was like, they're going to overturn that just because they did yeah, overturn the first one, but that was a bad challenge from the perspective of like, I'm not, I know that Pete Carroll might have won the game against the Steelers with that pass interference challenge he had. I'm not sure it makes any sense to challenge this. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure that we don't I mean, know what obvious, clear, and obvious means. We, well, right, we, but it worked for Pete Carroll. They won the game. Right, but it's like it's. I mean, again, like it's Al River on spinning a wheel. It's like yeah, he's yeah. basically well, Vanna White. He's Vanna White, and he's just whipping that thing around. He's like, oh, yeah, blah, blah. I guess Vanna White turns the letters. So it's not even accurate. But you get the point. It's like it's like a wheel of fortune contestant whipping the wheel and hoping that it doesn't land on bankrupt. Except there's one piece that says overturn, and 39 other pieces that say bankrupt. Okay. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, like, what, we just no, don't. No, it's terrible. I mean, you're not here's wrong. what's going to happen. Just get Actually, rid of let it. Ask, let me ask Brees because he, Brees can see into the future. Brees, do you think they're going to not, um, renew this penalty next year? I don't see how they can. I mean, Brinson complaining about it is absolutely everyone talking about it. If you're going to have a challenge system, then you have to be able to overturn calls when they are bad on the field or enact the calls that were missed on the field, neither of which they did in this game. I mean, even Alshon Jeffrey's hit was, I mean, his hand got slapped away. Nothing, that's impeding someone from catching a pass. And the guy got to watch that on replay. And I'm, I'm only using that example because that's the less egregious one. That should have been interference. And the other one was like so interference that it, they should have canceled the game when that didn't get overturned. They should have said, you know what? The refs are too stupid. We cannot keep going. We got to figure this thing out. And they're going to finish this game on Sunday, and, and everybody's going to meet River on NFL headquarters on Saturday, and we're going to figure this out because this is just it's it's so foolish. Just, that, just hire it's, it's, it's almost unwatchable. Hire a guy, an objective fan who's like not an Eagles fan, guy or a, girl, guy or girl, sure, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Hell, hire my wife who hates football, doesn't ever watch football, and I explain to hates her. Ex- hates me too. Yeah, of course. Explain the basic rules to her. 
if this man grabs this man's arm or face, it's right. pass interference. And then let her decide. Let's give someone... her a checklist. She right. can go down the checklist. Like, that's, <laughs> okay. that's what's so this. insane. The, read the rules, Al. What are you looking at? You're telling me that was incidental contact? The, the, well, it, let me, let me ask this though. Uh, so, Breach thinks the Alshon Jeffrey thing should have been definitely flags pass interference. What about the interception to end the game? Was that pass interference? Uh, they're not going to call in that situation because it's end of tough, game. Yeah. But I mean, it's if you get there before the ball's there, it's interference. It's, I don't, I don't like, overturn whatever they call on the field and on a play like that. That's what's well, like the it's like the Seahawks uh, Patriots game in the Super Bowl. And everybody's I mean, like, a little close to each other on the goal line, and that was there was within one yard of. And I know once the ball's in there, that doesn't matter. But you're going to get a little more leeway in a situation like that yeah. because everybody's so compactly lined up. But, you know, that's when you're 20 you yards down, that's why you don't Jeffrey. throw a slant on the one, Matt. That's Maybe all he does, man. By the this way, is... we're crushing Matt LaFleur, and he deserves it. But we should point out, because we crushed the dog doo-doo out of uh, Freddie Kitchens, Freddie Outhouse the other day. Our guy, um, uh, what's our buddy's name? Uh, Andy Benoit. <laughs> I forgot Andy's name. Andy Benoit at SI.com tweeted this out on Thursday. He <laughs> what's watches, name? He watches the All-22 of everything. He thinks that... Um, Baker Mayfield audibled into that fourth and nine call. And he said, if you look at the all 22, you can see <laughs> Freddie Outhouse just throw his hands up <laughs> after the play. Ooh, so maybe, nice. maybe, and Freddie, to his credit, if that's what happened, he did not call Baker out and throw him under the bus. But, um, so maybe, maybe this wasn't all Freddie's fault. Maybe, maybe this is all Matt LaFleur's fault, but it does not look good for either one of them. Hammer the Ravens on Sunday, if that's the case. Yeah. Um, Okay, I feel sufficiently. Can I say this about replay no, we, real quick? We keep talking. I, I don't. We're at thirty-five minutes. I don't care. We Devo's like you'll probably go thirty minutes. I was like, yeah, probably Devo. We'll probably go an hour. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I just think that I know I was guilty of this when the rule was passed. When Sean Payton, you know, was running out of the meeting or whatever at the owners' meeting, celebrating that they got this rule passed, it felt like everyone, especially me, felt like, oh, this is the clear and obvious solution. I think I even wrote that. I was writing this story when it. When Great it words you use there. Clear and obvious. <laughs> this is like the perfect solution. The NFL did a good job. Congrats to them. Looking back on it, it seems so foolish for any of us to think that yes. the solution to an NFL officiating problem was giving more instant replay. Because you think about it with like the catch. Like we thought, oh, they're going to review catches now. Like, good. They're not going to have any non-catches get ruled catches and all this. And, it, and instead, it turned into an even bigger nightmare because now every single scoring play is reviewable. And now we have to look in slow motion as a receiver kind of juggles a pass. And it's a, it's a play that years ago wouldn't even have been reviewed. And I think this isn't just a problem in, in football. It's a problem large, larger in sports. And you see it in soccer with VAR. Oh. No, it's just... I don't think the solution is instant, more instant replay. So, Sean, let me what, ask you no, this. I just, I just tweeted this. What, what about, let's get rid of replay altogether. Yes. Just well, all of my, it. All of guys, it. Guys, stop. No, wait, 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 wait. Let me say one more thing. Go ahead. I actually would be fine with that. My solution has always been you shouldn't be allowed to look at a play in slow motion because I think once you go into slow motion, everything seems so exaggerated and magnified. I think there should be a time limit, like – 30 seconds or a minute, you get to look at the play three or four more times in normal speed, and if you can't determine there was something wrong with it, then you don't change it. I think the slow motion is what's killing the game. Actually, I don't even hate that, which makes by, me By hate. the way, Devontae Adams has turf toe. He says he'll get it checked out tomorrow. This is for uh, – but, wait, 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 but more important was Ryan saying that he doesn't hate my idea because that's, that's groundbreaking. Yeah, I, I don't hate it. Go ahead, Dr. Brinson. Who confirmed your diagnosis? <laughs> the Packers and Devontae Adams. The guy, the guy with the injury confirmed exactly what I said he had. 
You got so dunked listen, on, Ryan, by a doctor. You, by you, got doctor. you know how bad he must have been injured? Because the thing is... He was about to cry out there. So he wasn't on the field for any of those plays for the goal line situation where they had four plays from the one-yard line. He was If he could have just gone out there... You're at the one-yard line. You don't even have to run a route. Just you being out there would have been – the Eagles would have been paying attention to Devontae Adams, and that would have changed it. It could have changed things dramatically. So, you know, he had to be hurting that he couldn't even go out there and just stand. Well, actually, like Breach, in the Breach. 1998 Super Bowl, Terrell Davis had a concussion. He couldn't even see, but they wanted to run play action, so they ran him back out there. Mike Shanahan put him back on – Put him back out there, and they ran play action. Sean was five. That peak, that's peak Shanahan. Um, Devontae Adams uh, was holding his. This is per Rob Davosky of ESPN. Was holding his right shoe in his hand during his post game interview. He called. He said he had turf toe and said it's so painful. "Quote: I don't even want to try to put his shoe back on." He's on my fantasy team. By the way, I said concussion. I meant. <laughs> hey, you know what, Ryan? No Pearl one Davis cares about your stupid fantasy team, especially the number one wide receiver of the Packers, who has the major toe injury, who could keep him out for a month. All for your fantasy team. I know. I hope he gets better, just for strictly health reasons. By the way, so let me let's go back to this this um, replay thing. So John doesn't think it's going to come back. He, he can't understand how it would come back, and I sort of understand understand that. What happens when we have the next Rams Saints blown call? What are you guys going to be winching for then? I well, see. I saw someone tweet this and i don't know who it was ryan <laughs> but uh otherwise i'd give him credit and i i tend to think that this is might be true is it possible that the nfl stuck this this instant replay thing in here as a break glass parachute situation for when this happens in the playoffs like a blatant tackle that doesn't get called so they can be like well we can reverse it and you just a, said Al Riveron is terrible at his job. You're going to rely on him to do this? I'm not. I'm not saying that what they did was right. I'm saying that the, I think their idea was okay. This solution that we're using will allow us to prevent something like that happening in a crucial situation that changes the outcome of one of our playoff games. And then what they didn't expect was these coaches would be slinging these challenge flags all over the place. There's been tons of pass interference challenges, and most of them, especially in these island games, have been pretty smart. Like, I thought Doug Peterson's challenge was, in a vacuum, a good challenge. Except he'd just seen the Valdez-Scantling challenge from LaFleur, so it was a terrible challenge because you knew they weren't going to overturn it after seeing what they did the first time. Why? I didn't know that. I had no idea. I mean, there was a 10% chance they would overturn it, and if they did, it was only because Al was slugging red wine in a room with a blindfold and a wheel and and a bag of cheese. I don't know. I mean, who who I want that job. That job sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds awesome. And then, like, and then they're like, "Al, straighten up for a second. You got to speak to this camera for a social media over social media overlay of the play." He's like, "Just read the script, Al. Like, smack him, wake him up. Read the script." Yeah, like Frank Caliendo, who's actually doing an impression of him. <laughs> it might be. It might be. I mean, I, I don't want to pick on Al Riveron. I think he's. Um, I think that the ship has sailed on that one. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to. I'm pretty sure this is accurate, but I think so. Like. Um, <laughs> Well, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. That put, sums up Princeton right there. No, All right. That's not, no, that's not true. Tell so, us. so the uh, the around the NFL guys um, do a podcast. Your best friends. I mean, I'd love to podcast with them instead of you guys. But you know, in London, you do you do you do you deal what you get you deal the hand you got dealt. Um, There's high demand for us to go to London. I'm just throwing that out there right now. There's at least three or four London tweets asking us to go to London. <laughs> um, All right, go ahead. So what happened with the ATL guys? I am pretty. So they do like these sandwich props before the season. 
And like, you know, it's like you, it's basically like you make your, like you make your predictions on what you think is going to happen. And I can't remember who, whether it was like Sessler, Mark Sessler, or Chris West. Like, I'm pretty sure one of them was like, I don't think Al Riveron's making it through the season, which, oh. which is accurate, but pretty ballsy on the NFL, like, like the NFL's like podcast. It'd be like, if we were like, I don't know what the example would be like, but I don't think Tony Romo's going to make this cut. Right. You know, my initial thought when you said that was, I don't know if Sean ever saw this, but I'm guessing Bre- Breach and Brenton saw Friday. Yeah. You got fired on your day off? How do you get fired on your day off, Al Riveron? Yeah. You're sitting there, you're lazy boy with your blindfolds on. You got fired on a Sunday night. Uh, no, no, he's not in his lazy with his blindfold. He's like, I just don't want to wear a blindfold for once. He's like, well, you he know goes, what's funny? He goes, he's like, please don't make me wear a blindfold. It's almost like uh the NFL. Like I feel like Roger Goodell sitting in his office laughing at all the heat Al Riveron's taking. Because of that prediction you just mentioned, and then last week we had Tom Brady complaining about the officiating, and you would think maybe NFL media would stay away from that just because, yeah, it's your top biggest name brand superstar complaining about officiating. No, they had a story right up, and it said, uh, hey, Tom Brady hates officiating. And so that's just maybe they're all getting a good laugh about all the heat that Al Riveron's under, kind of like we are with I, his wine. And I tea. mean, I, I understand that the NFL is a huge – you know, $14 billion corporation. But like at some point, if you're Roger Goodell and you're sitting at home and you're sheepskin loafers enjoying a nice, dude, they're passing into painting scenes. It's, you're like writing your own fanfic. A hundred percent pigskin loafers. Thank you, Breach. Um, Sean just has no imagination. Uh, he's watching a brand new concert live. No, I'm reading uh, a Star Wars, Wars YouTube Star picture. Wars. Um, Goodell sitting at home in his pigskin loafers. He's drinking a nice bottle of Chianti. He's watching the Yellowtail, baby. He's watching the Eagles Packers game. And you're telling me like the rest of America, he doesn't see this unfold with the pass interference thing. And he's just, he's not texting anybody. He's not like saying like, Hey, someone go get the blindfold off, off Al and tell him to take a look at the, like, like no one in charge is watching what's happening and realizing what a debacle it is. How is that possible? If you took Roger Goodell, and his top three cronies, and you kicked him out of office, and and I'm only picking Ryan because Ryan is the most responsible in here. You made Ryan the new Roger Goodell, and you made us three his cronies. I wouldn't be in charge. They wouldn't put me in charge of that. Be crazy. You guys would be getting fired very soon after I got my job. <laughs> they'd give me uh, they'd give they'll give me a podcast. They're not going to give me the NFL. You'll be the PR uh, guy. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Oh, Ryan's doing a great job, guys. You <laughs> fired. You'll Sean be selling me out behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you know what my favorite Sean. Al Riveron headline is? As Brenton's story goes on, this is literally a head. Headline from January 2018, NFL to retain head of officiating Al Riveron for the following year, despite very shaky first season. <laughs> That's an actual headline on CBS Sports. Sean wrote the story. I think I wrote it. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds really so familiar. This, so the NFL knew how bad he was, and they still kept him. So it's like, I do think they're secretly enjoying this. Controversy sells. We're talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. That's what I was like, going to say. And they're like, we just blame everything on Riveron. Who cares what happens? Nobody's going to – they're kind of laughing at us, but they're laughing at Riveron. And every openly former official who is uh, working for a network ultimately always agrees against whatever the call <laughs> field is. From replay. Typically in years past, there would be some, Pereira would say one thing, Blandini might say something else. This year, it feels like 99% of the time, 
the former officials who worked for the networks agreed that whatever happened on the field was the wrong. My, my buddy Nathan is running gag where he's like, I mean, like he's like, Pereira's fine. He's like, but that guy couldn't, he's like, he couldn't straddle the fence more. He didn't do it tonight. He's like, I mean, I would overturn. He's like, I don't know, guys. I'm pretty sure I would overturn I that. Think, I like Pereira. I think he's good. I think, yeah. I, in fact, I would argue that the problem with the NFL's officiating now at this point is that we have had a major brain drain partially relating to a lot of these officials leaving for higher paying jobs in the media. Oh, you know, what's funny is those higher paying jobs shouldn't exist because the NFL should take the hint and actually pay their vice president of officiating. I mean, look, Blandino, they don't want to leave. I mean, two, you've had two vice president of officiating's or vice presidents of officiating leave in the last five years, right? Because Blandino was on that job for two years. And he bounced because he's like, why, why am I getting the my party bu- bus out of town? He's like, yeah, he's like, why am I getting my balls busted for hanging out with Glazer on Jerry Jones's bus and, and messing up NFL catch rules when I can go work at Fox, make twice as much money, work half the time and I'll go drink Tito's with Mike in his den on Sundays <laughs> and we'll like pop into NFL games everywhere. I mean, and then Gene Steratore, Gene Steratore is great. And he left and he went and took a job at CBS. Terry McCauley's at, at well, ABC. There are more good referees in the media now than there are in the field, and that's a problem. To, to Breach's point, what he said a couple of minutes ago, I don't think the NFL cares enough to pay these guys more because people are still watching the games. Ratings are still going up. And you know what this does? It just more people are talking about the NFL. And we're not people aren't going to stop yeah. watching because they didn't like pass interference calls. They're going to keep watching. So why they have no? If they were losing viewers. Maybe they would do it, but they're not losing viewers. They're they're not losing popularity. So I don't think they are going to do anything. So I mean, and is this a is this a Mark Cuban pigs get slaughtered situation? Like, it, I mean, I, I don't think it's actually going to happen. Remember yeah, what, I don't know what that means either. You don't remember that? Like five years? God, are we, are we that old? Five, maybe it was eight years ago. I don't know. Mark Cuban. The came NFL out, he's is like, going to get too full of its. Mark like, Cuban says a lot of stuff. No, he came out. He said he goes pigs get fat, hogs pigs get oh. fat, hogs get slaughtered. Talking about the NFL. Basically, they're they're they're, right. they're, they're not worried about anything that happens because they're making too much money. And that that would eventually be their yeah. undoing. I mean, do you think that? Do you know me, the last time that the NFL was worried about public opinion and, and viewership? OJ. No, uh, it was with uh, when when Trump kept tweeting about Colin Kaepernick. That's when they sort of got their attention on the field. They have zero. They have zero cares about what happens on the field. To, to Sean's point, I mean, Goodell didn't even call. Um, I don't think he did. I could be wrong, but I feel like the, the NFL went a very long time without talking to the Saints after what happened to the Rams. I know that Sean Payton talked to someone in the league office immediately afterwards, but I don't think Adele. Oh, I, here's what it was, John. No, we they never the they never publicly right, uh, right. touched on it. Until the Super Bowl press conference. So two weeks later, I guess, was the first time they spoke about it. And then he didn't really say anything at that press conference we were at. There was no statement. There was no anything, which is funny because that goes back to Riveron, who was apparently a cat with nine lives because not only was that 2018 headline that Sean wrote – this is from January 2019, uh, two days after the NFC title game. This next headline is, Will Ram Saints debacle bring down Al Riveron? And Peter King wrote that a source told him that Al Riveron is likely gone. He can't survive this. So that is two straight years of this guy should probably be out, but he's not out and he's still in. So this is like giving, this is like surviving with a D minus. It's like coasting through college, getting D's and be like, oh, I passed. But uh, you kind of you're not passing, except you have a hundred million people watching every week. It's crazy. I mean, look, Michael Scott survived a long time and charges Scranton, so you know. It's funny it, you say it, that it because when um, PFT Pro Football Talk tweeted out the Al Riveron story, they had a GIF of 
uh, Michael Scott wearing blindfolds and waving his arms around. It's actually so. funny you should ask that, mention that because uh, someone asked. We got a, uh, another iTunes review for our. Just, I'm prepping you guys for this now. We're going to do a mailbag podcast at some time in the next two weeks. We're not doing okay. it now, but I'm okay. letting you know that this is one of the questions. Best and worst episode of The Office. We don't need to we do that, that question on, before. Well, someone else asked. They just threw. I have a new best question. A new best. I thought. I, it, no, yeah, I look forward. To I don't want to hear it. We'll just. You can think about it. I want you to know we'll be prepped to answer that again later because that's not a who would you take right now, Carson Wentz or Aaron Rodgers question. You can think about Carson it in, in two minutes. <laughs> I mean, nobody's got, I mean, it's unbelievable. Ryan is, thank God that Tom Fernelli and Matt Snyder, our colleagues, exist so they could call out Ryan for his stupid Bears quarterback takes. They do it very nicely though. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's like, like these are asinine takes. All right, let's rank, let's rank it. So one of them is Bench Mitch Trubisky for Chase Daniel. That's one. <laughs> Don't just let me finish. I have three of them. Nobody Two is that. the one Carson Wentz over Aaron Rodgers and three is What'd you say, Brinson? Would I trade a first round pick? What was the first round pick question for the Steelers? Oh, Baker Mayfield for a first, the 2020 first that round pick, Baker Mayfield to the Steelers. That was the anyone said on this podcast. And I picked so the those three things, rank those, division. those theories. Well, the Baker, the, I wouldn't trade Mika Fitzpatrick for Baker is arguably the dumbest thing. Oh, I wouldn't, thing. Pay, I wouldn't trade the Steelers 2020 first round pick for Baker before the Mika Fitzpatrick. You just asked hypothetically. Okay. That's even worse. I don't want Baker Mayfield. Have you seen? He called. Apparently, he but, audible to a fourth and nine. And also, by the way, it's actually kind of interesting. I can't. We're, this is a theme of the podcast. I can't remember who tweeted it out, but Baker Mayfield <laughs> has now started a. Uh, I think it was Football Perspective. Chase Stewart. Baker Mayfield has now started a full season. Uh, yeah, worth it, of games. Was Chase Stewart. Yeah. And look, I'll just say the numbers are not that impressive if yeah, you look at the fine. full sixteen games. Yeah, but the only one that matters is that seven and nine, Sean, and that and and Browns. That's Hall of Fame level. I got no, no, no. Look, I would trade if I was. I got, I got, I got, I got something. Pick for Baker Mayfield. I got something. I got something I would like to add here. Fun fact: We went fifty minutes and Sean didn't have one fun fact. I know. We scared him out of it. I have a fun fact. But now we do have a fun fact that the account can tweet out. That was the most passing yards that Aaron Rodgers had ever thrown for in a home loss. That's a fun fact. Sean, your fun facts suck, breach. I'm going to go ahead and grade that. That's an eight and a half out of ten. You got one, Sean? (laughs) Yeah. it's. uh, I mean, everyone should have seen this because ESPN stats and info. I actually surprised we haven't brought this up, but I I guess I was. Why are you so bad at this? Why would you you credit someone else just being a fun fact? (laughs) Fun fact and then steal it. Wait, Brenton is wondering why I would give someone offering. Aaron Rodgers has a ten-point lead. He was 58 wins, zero losses, and one tie. You didn't say fun fact. That's what is he now, John? Well, I was t- Sean couldn't get it out. I don't and know now if he is that math, Ryan. Now he is 58, one and one. The mm-hmm. Eagles handed him his first loss. So, do you think he right now he's uh, at home telling Danica that his head coach is a moron? Do you think that's what the, the conversation going on right now? I think Danica's at home telling him that his head coach is a moron. <laughs> She's like, that guy's like, stupid. Agree. I guess she doesn't talk like a redneck male, but. I don't know where um, she's, where's she from, Sean? You seem like you would know where she grew up. She's a Bears fan, or she used to be a Bears fan, that's all I know. Yeah. All right. But you know, when they're fighting, Matt Forrest gonna say... I thought you meant Danica Dude. and Aaron. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I was ready for the fanfic about Danica <laughs> and Aaron fighting. Hey, um, are we good on this game? I got one more thing I want to cover before we get out of here. Danica Patrick is from Beloit, Washington. Uh, Shout out to the Eagles player who did a freaking Lambo leap. Wait, Danica's from where? Do you say Beloit, Washington? Wisconsin. 
Uh, I'll tell you Washington. By, by the way, I, you yeah. know what was really funny? I don't, I don't even know who the Packers receiver, receiver's name was, but, uh, but he taunted the, the guy on the phone. Oh, the right. Back. That was number 15, I think, who came in for, um, Devontae Adams. I think it was number 15. <laughs> well, it's because the Eagles defensive back was doing the Matumbo no-no. I think it was like, I think it was like a, uh, oh, it was Tanyan. Was it Tanyan? Or, yeah. 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 No, no, that's the tight end. That wasn't him. It was, uh, um, Vital? Vital? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, that's how bad things got injury wise for these guys. Like they were like throwing random dudes out there in empty sets at, at the one. I'm, but also way, why are you throwing? Right. That I, I don't, I don't want to get back into that because now I'm getting angry again thinking about it. But, um, when like he got tackled and the guy's like, like, you know, doing the classic like DB celebration where like it's an incomplete pass, but it's clearly he went, no, no, he put the tumble on him. And then the guy just went and pointed at the flag. <laughs> um, okay. So the other thing I want to talk about, and this relates to, uh, Hawk Slacks 6631's, uh, review on Apple podcast and reminder, oh, yeah. if you leave a five star review on Apple podcast, we will answer your question, any question on a mailbag in the future. Uh, and the only reason we're answering this one now is because it makes sense to answer now. And we covered this with Dubin a little bit, but I'd like to kind of get into, get into the business of it for like five minutes before we get to an hour on this podcast. He says, love the show. I listen to every episode every week. I need help deciding what to do, comma, Sean, when my neighbor asks me, no, uh, when Melvin Gordon comes back, <laughs> I have Eckler in every league and he's been going off, but should I expect him to split the load and should I find a new running back or is it okay because he's been doing great so far this year? Thanks. Basically kind of a little more meaty, uh, Melvin Gordon, not meaty, but the quasi meaty discussion, Sean, on Melvin Gordon coming back. Well, if you own Eckler, I don't think there's anything you can do, unfortunately, because no one's going to tr- or no one's going to give you great value for him with Melvin Gordon's impending return which will happen next week. Uh so I and you're not going to drop him because the fact of the matter is that even when Melvin Gordon was doing what he did last year, had the best season of his career, Eckler was still startable as a flex and especially in PPR leagues. He's still startable and, moving forward. Yeah, so I don't sure. think this is a situation where you should panic and drop him. I think you just have to understand he's going from, I think he's like, what, the fourth or third ranked running back to this point? He's not going to be that, but I think there's potential for him to be at the very least startable as a flex. I have him in one league, the same league I have Saquon Barkley, so I got hit doubly um, this past weekend. But I'm not panicking because I think he's startable. I think he might be a flex moving forward. And you're also still, by the way, a Melvin Gordon injury away from him being back to being a running back one. And, so and let's not forget that. Borderline, you should keep him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. If you own Melvin Gordon in fantasy, you do not think about dropping him. I wouldn't even drop, frankly, uh, Justin you mean Jackson. Eckler. You mean Eckler. Did I say Melvin Gordon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Austin Eckler. I wouldn't even drop um, Justin Jackson because I tend to think, Ryan, and I know you're a big you know, doctor type, uh, when – when when guys hold out of training camp in the preseason and the first three three to four weeks of the regular season, they're particularly susceptible to soft tissue injuries. Would you agree? Oh God! <laughs> I was ready, by the way, for Ryan to answer with his fantasy catchphrase, which is, "Well, what do you think?" Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let I me played, ask you this: How do you Adams feel about like soft tissue leagues. injuries in the preseason? <laughs> no, I think that's right. But again, I mean. How much can you expect from Melvin Gordon at this point? I'm sure he's in great shape and he's been working out, but as, you know, coaches always say in, in August when these guys start getting hurt, that they haven't been playing, they're not in football shape. They haven't been hitting each other and all that. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. I feel like keeping Eklar, I don't know anything about fantasy football, obviously, but it makes a ton of sense. 
Um, don't, no, no, do not drop Austin Eckler. That is a, if you drop Austin Eckler or if he gets dropped in your league and you have anything remotely close to a top waiver claim, you burn it immediately and grab Austin Eckler. He is startable in every league, even non PPR as a flex or a low running back too. Do not drop Austin Eckler. If you don't have Austin Eckler, go throw out some crap trade for him. Go offer somebody Curtis Samuel for Austin Eckler. Antonio Brown, trade him. That, that would be a great trade. Um, he might come that's back. That's the state of, of Ryan's fantasy. If you're in a league with your three sons, go, go, and you're the commissioner, go offer them all Antonio Brown and then for, then hit the button where it says process trade with commissioner powers and then move on. And he's going to sign with the Seahawks in week 10 and catch two passes a week and then quit the team. Yeah. By week 13. Very possible. Um, by the way, you know, this pod has run its length when we start talking about Antonio Brown again. Well, but I, I am curious, like, do you think it was, cause it was weird. We didn't get, okay, A, when, when the Melvin Gordon thing happened, he ended his holdout on, on Wednesday night. Like, at no point did we even consider an emergency pod. It was like very briefly for me. I was like, eh. Well, we knew he was coming back at some point before well, week we eight. Sure. He might have loved him it. I definitely wasn't no, really considering No, because he it. needed to accrue a season to Who, hit free agency. Did any Exactly. Did anyone get a single tweet about this? Because we got mad tweets. I just no. said mad tweets. And I want to kill oh, myself. Boy, look at this. Look at the doctor using the slang. That's, I apologize for saying mad tweets. <laughs> and I feel like a total douchebag. Um, the, uh, Your we slang got, is on can point. We, can we say douchebag on this pod? Probably. Have you all seen Nick Costas' video where he's like, Yes, and I am a massive douchebag. <laughs> I kind of want to play that for the podcast. Anyway, let's nice uh, be on the soundboard. How, it, I'm getting that, catch, that catch phrase is already taken, Brinson. You can't take it. Uh, okay. At least he credited it, though. Have you, it's a well, so do you think that Melvin Gordon changes? Because no one, no one tweeted us and was like, "Hey, are we getting a Melvin Gordon emergency podcast?" Like they just didn't. Does care. he change what? Does he change what the what the Chargers are? No, of course no, not. Chargers That's were four zero with Adam last year, and he's not. He doesn't add enough. Like, Austin Eckler is a good enough replacement that it's it just he doesn't add enough to the offense that it matters. Is it a hot take to think Austin Eckler might be better than no. Melvin Gordon? It's not. I, Melvin no, Gordon obviously helps because they just have way more depth now. If Eckler were to get hurt, they'd be fine. That's but I, if you're doing like a war, like wins of a, a, a replacement, I don't think he cracks one win for this team. Melvin that's Gordon. It's called that Wow, Sean, not War. But yeah, wins over Wilson. Wins over yeah, Wilson? That's the question. How many wins over Wilson is he worth? Uh, it's like point three five. Yeah, I agree. It's rare that Ryan and I agree, but the math is undeniable when it comes to wins <laughs> over Wilson. Can't argue with it, folks. I am taking Austin Eckler at six hundred and forty-five thousand dollars, a thousand percent of the time over yeah. Melvin Gordon at five point six million. I, I mean, think that's, that's Jackson, really what it boils down to. You know, I thought you were talking about like a similar. bet at first, and I didn't realize you were setting contract numbers. I was like, what are you? Betting yeah, that's how on. that's how ridiculously low his salary is. Is that it confused you? So like, yes, I mean it's just insane that Melvin Gordon thought he was gonna get eleven million dollars when his replacement was making one fiftieth as much. And here's you know, here's here's, that, here's Costas. You're gonna have to anyway. You're gonna have to enjoy them. You also might be asking yourself, why am I wearing expensive designer sneakers with this robe? The answer, because I'm a massive douchebag. <laughs> By the way, this podcast, which is our first super fun show in a long time without 
Debo producing, I feel like, is the primary example of why we probably need Debo because he probably would have cut this podcast <laughs> off like 30 he minutes ago. Oh, 45 minutes, minutes ago. <laughs> EK, EK was like, man, he's like, Brinson, you really rounded into shape as a host. <laughs> I was like, it's not me, man, it's Debo. <laughs> like, heck, I don't know. He's like, he's like, shut it off, shut it off, shut now, it Debo off. Debo has like a button. And it's like attached to you, and every time he hits it, he just gets shocked. Sean's gonna be dead in the morning because of his neighbor. It's gonna be written in blood. I wish you wouldn't have podcasted so long. Oh uh, yeah, we gotta get out of here for your neighbor. All right. Uh, by the way, I thought it was interesting. One more thing on um, Melvin Gordon. No, it was just I thought it was interesting that Adam Schefter tweeted that he will become. He was like, he basically like intimated that Melvin Gordon will be a free agent after the season, which is true. He will be a free agent. But the Chargers can franchise tag him. Do you guys well, think they ain't that? doing that? Well, There's no way they're him. Yeah. Well then, I mean, the, okay. Well then, I would, I would. And posit, he's also not going to get more than ten or eleven million that yeah, the Chargers offer him. So who's it, giving him like, that money? I would posit. No, I don't know about that. I, I would posit that if Melvin Gordon does not get franchise tagged as a result of his decision to hold out for three games this year, then this holdout was successful. What's he going to get? Who's paying him next year? No, it's not. Well, it depends how much money he gets. The $10 million, million a year, is, was not is a bunch of, as Ryan would say, dog doo-doo. It what wasn't, is? it wasn't, t- it's not like it was $10 million guaranteed over five years. It was a, it was a $10 million deal, a $10 million deal, which that the no team, one is giving him $10 million a year next year. I, there was no Sounds way. Sounds like a bet. Sounds like a bet. I bet he, I guarantee you he'll get $10 million average a year in free agency. I'll, I'll bet. What do you want to bet? Wait, wait, wait. Now, listen, the loser has to eat dog food for a year. <laughs> now, he's not earning. <laughs> Melvin, can I get a million? Vitamins. vitamins are allowed, though, so you don't die. <laughs> he's, not, he's not earning $10 million a year guaranteed. Like, he's not clearing $10 million a year. Guaranteed? None the, no. None of, well, none of the You tell me whatever you want to bet. I guarantee he's you. He's not going to get the contract that the, the Chargers offered him, $10 million a year. Contract. I guarantee you he will make more than $10 million average annual salary. On the contract that is finally reported, in if he hits free agency, no, he won't. Okay, then so what do you want, what do you want to bet? Like the bottom line number. The loser, like, the loser has to shave their head. That is uh, not, <laughs> not no. Your head shaved. Oh, you're no, no, I got, I got, I got it. If Brinson loses, he has to yeah, shave his hair, and if Ryan loses, he has to shave his facial hair. No, I'm not shaving uh, my head. It would have been much worse if you said I had to grow the hair that I have left. Ooh, Ooh that's interesting. That would you be rough. Um. You missed it. The loser has to uh, write, like you have to write Brinson, Doctor Brinson rules on your head for one video podcast next year. Oh please, who's paying him ten million dollars a year? Well, let's see if the Texans hire a GM by then because they would be the that's, team. That's so, your only hope. Why? Carlos side, they got they got the combo. Carlos side with Johnson. You're not even talking about like a lot here. Ten million dollars. Uh, let me ask the voice of reason, John. Is he going to get ten million dollars a year next year? And that's the max. I, I'm about 80% sure he won't. So I mostly agree with Ryan, but there is, it, it only takes one team. Right. One crazy I wouldn't, team I wouldn't come out. Oh, another team to look out for the Redskins. Okay. All right, all right. Here's, here's what the loser has to do. Okay. Has to do a family portrait with Sean. How does that work? Have to fly to Oakland, do a family portrait with him? Yeah, yeah it's it's expensive bet. Why don't we just, you and Sean, have... you and Sean have to put on sweaters and hold cats. Wait, wait, wait. Why am I involved? I should yeah, you're, you're our internet son. Not our together internet son, but you know, our, our, our... <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> that's that's Sean. I'll take a picture with him. Okay. I had that's you guys deal. as my parents. My goodness. Yeah. You have to take a graduation, graduation photo with Sean. Yeah, we'll do a, uh, what's it called? Awkward family. What's the awkward family photo? Yes. You should actually just do that. 
with Super French should send out a Christmas card. We should actually do that. Okay. Holiday card, Sean. We don't I'll want to throw it in, I'll throw in the mail with your, I'll throw in the mail with your <laughs> half step. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Debo, <laughs> right. let's I want to say one more thing because it won't be true by, by Monday. The first place team in the NFC North right now is the Detroit Lions. You just got dunked on, Ryan. Boom. Oh, wait, let's, hold on, perfect. hold on. Boy, Open the it. laptops back up. Ryan just got tomahawked. <laughs> oh, you guys are crazy. I, I called him my guy last week. Oh, my God. This is worse than your Joe Flacco and, AFC West backtrack. Yeah, right. Like, and then when he loses 61-7, to 7, we'll see Ryan's if he's Debo, by the way, to put G. together a like, compilation of, like, Every time Ryan trash Matt Matt Patricia right. and like put juxtapose it for him the last two weeks like, like trying to act like if oh, he, was, he was always rooting for Matt Patricia. Get out! <laughs> Tough love, Sean. Tough love. If 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 you were to pick out one like thematic thing about each one of us over the past two years, undoubtedly Ryan, yours would be like cranky guy who hates Matt Patricia. <laughs> like, Yours would be stealing content. Sean would be, what's Sean? That's rude, but <laughs> anti-Josh Allen. No, but people would be like, if you ask, if you ask our listeners, you're like, what is one thing that you think about Ryan Wilson? Like he hates Matt Patricia. Breach would be like just kicker, special teams. Mm-hmm. Andy Dalton supporter. Brinson would be alcoholic. And I would alcoholic be doctor. <laughs> alcoholic doctor. <laughs> yeah. You're what Alec Baldwin. You, you'd be uh, Rogue uh, One or something. His doctor. I am God. Okay, we're getting out of this an hour. We just spent an hour and five minutes on a Thursday night game. Devo will never be allowed to miss another podcast. Devo tries to enjoy an Eagles win, and this is what happens. I know. At least we break it 17 minutes. (laughs) All right. right, Thanks. See you guys on uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. Remember, you can also watch on YouTube. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. One more thing quickly. Oh, my God. I will be in Buffalo at the Patriots-Bills game. So if you see me. I'm sure you'll be wandering through with the denizens of of uh, be Bill's jumping mafia. through picnic tables. Before I was going to say, and you better be doing that. Bengal Steelers on Monday night preview. Ryan and I are going to be co-hosting together and arguing with each other, and we might murder each other. So make sure to listen on Monday. There you go. Talk to you guys on Monday. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.